Just a note before we start. Our show talks about touchy subjects that may be difficult for some of our listeners. Take care of yourself. If you feel you need to seek help, see the links at the end of our show notes for resources. Welcome to Touchy Subjects, the podcast that aims to make those awkward conversations around domestic and sexual violence just a little less awkward. I'm Sean. I'm Allie. And I'm Sierra. And in today's episode, we're going to be discussing body safety and consent for children. We are really passionate about this subject, um, and and this particular episode came out of our last full episode's conversation about consent. Um, It is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. It's also Child Abuse Prevention Month. And so that's why this is a really crucial conversation for us to have, because these issues are so closely intertwined. We can't really talk about one and not talk about the other, right? So when it comes to consent, it seems that most time kids are left out of the discussion because the word consent in and of itself for most people is correlating to the topic of sex. Um, However, we in our roles know that consent isn't only necessary for sex, and it's something that we need to start teaching at a young age um, so that kids have that basis of respect and boundaries um, as they grow up. Yeah, consent is necessary for everything, not just a sexual encounter. Just like the example we used in our consent discussion where if I want to go hug somebody and they don't open their arms for the hug, I can't hug them because they haven't given me their consent. We need to make sure we're teaching kids at a very young age that everything that they're doing with other people requires their consent to participate, and if they don't have their consent, they can't do it. Yeah. At the basis, and we talked about this again in that last episode, at the basis of consent is the issue of respect and teaching Um, what respect looks like when you're interacting with other people and other, other human beings. Right. Um, so a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is just basic respectful things that, that kids need to know and that adults are, um, I think that adults struggle with some of these things because the word consent Um, has that sexual connotation, but we want to throw that out the window at the beginning of this episode because we're talking about respect today. Statistically speaking, out of children, one in four females and one in six males will be impacted by sexual violence. According to the World Health Organization, in 2019, um, just in that span of a year, one billion children were estimated to be impacted by sexual violence. And these are children ranging in age from 2 to 17 years old. So looking at those statistics, that means that if we're putting off having discussions around consent with children, we're missing a very large number of kids who are already being impacted by this. So if we start having these conversations about consent earlier on, like we said, not necessarily having to be around a sexual encounter, but just consent in general, it's going to help some of these kids. Yeah. And I think that when we talk, you know, in our jobs, when we do education around this subject, a lot of adults especially are surprised when we suggest starting this from infancy, starting the normalization of 
talking about body safety and consent as soon as they can understand things, right? Um, and a lot of adults kind of find that shocking, but in this episode and then in next week's episode, we'll kind of break down why that's so important and hopefully take away some of that shock so adults can get it. Realistically, when we're talking about consent with kids, what we're doing is showing them how to set boundaries for themselves and how to respect boundaries for others. So right now what we're going to talk about is um, what we call five under five. So these are five body safety rules that every child should know under the age of or before the age of five, excuse me. Um, And a lot of the resources that we're using today and the resources we use in our jobs are from a wonderful, wonderful place called the Mama Bear Effect. Um, If you want to look them up, their website is themamabeareffect.org. They're a nonprofit organization that... Um, that uh, aims to educate around body safety and child sexual abuse prevention. And they have some really great resources out there. So that's what we're going to be using today. Um, So let's start talking about this five under five. So with these five under five, the first one on that list is going to be my body is mine. So kids are the bosses of of their own body. They don't have to be hugged, kissed, or touched by anybody if they're uncomfortable with it. So, like, let's say you're at a family gathering, and you're trying to leave, and you're like, okay, now go hug grandpa, or go hug uncle, or go kiss grandma goodbye, and your kid says they don't want to. Please don't tell your kid that they have to anyway, because it's somebody that they're supposed to love and care about. Because that's just teaching them then from a very young age that their consent doesn't matter. They know they don't want to do this thing, but you're telling them to do it anyway. So then... When they get older, what is that telling them? If they've already been told from a young age that it doesn't matter, they should be doing these things because they care and love about that person. If their partner then in a dating relationship tells them they should be doing this because they love and care about them, they're now getting that same messaging and they're just being set up then. So this body safety rule is one that I personally get a lot of pushback on when I talk about it. Um, And especially... The pushback comes from generations older than us. So, for example, my parents' generation has a really hard time with this because one of the things I hear is, well, I I want kids to know that they're loved. And how do I do that if I can't hug them or if I can't pick them up? And my response to that is always that kids will know they're loved with or without affection if they're loved, physical affection, right? And so if a child doesn't want to physically touch an adult, by respecting that, you are showing them love, right? And you can always give alternatives like, okay, if you don't want a hug, how about a high five or a fist bump? Or do you want to do an air hug? Or do you want to do a little dance when I see you? Um, there are a lot of other ways to, to physically show a kid that you love them without forcing them to do it. And if we think too on like our love languages discussion, it's like if you're somebody who doesn't really enjoy physical touch, like it's a lot easier than for you to understand that point. So like we don't have to use physical touch to show affection. There's plenty of other ways to do it. Yeah. And this is a really easy one. And um, for families that have kids, this is something that might be a conversation with all of the adults in your life, including babysitters and grandparents, aunts, uncles. Um, personally, 
I don't know the body safety rules in every household where I have children that I care about. Um, and so my general rule is that anytime I want to give a hug to any of the kids in my life, I ask them first. And a lot of times they'll say no. You'll be surprised at how many times kids are like, I don't want a hug right now. And it's okay because nine times out of 10 later that day, they'll ask me for a hug, right? So it's all about what they want and respecting them. Going off of that real quick too, though, it's really important that when you do ask a kid if, um, for example, if you ask a kid if they can give or if they want a hug and they say no, as the adult, it's your time to shine and show them that it's okay if somebody says no. Um, because, you know, kids are watching you. They're picking up on your behaviors. And if you get upset, that's really going to scare them into thinking, again, that they have to do these things when we know and we're telling you this is not the case. It's a great point, Sarah. So moving on to the next part of the um, every five things that you should know before five, um, talking about private parts. So teaching kids about private parts is super simple. Realistically, all you have to do is tell them, that the private parts of your body are what's covered by your swimsuit. And so this is something that's super simple, and kids really get a kick out of it too when you're teaching them. Um, when I go in to do presentations and stuff, I, I segue into it and say, you know what, who has ever gone swimming before? And everybody gets so excited because it's something we can all relate to and get excited about. And they're, you know, raising their hands, they're like, me, me, me. Um, and so that's where you just ask, like, you know, what do you wear in your bodies when you go swimming? And why do we wear these on our bodies when we go swimming? And it's just a really simple and easy way to um, show kids that we are covering up the private parts of our bodies because they're just for us. And so that's a good point, once again, to teach kids that since they're covered up, we don't look at or touch or play or anything like that with um, other people's private parts. And it's just really important to, to make it normal to, for kids to be able to talk about their private parts and let you know if something's wrong. For sure. And the discussion about private parts leads us into the third, um, thing on this five under five, which is using proper names for private parts. This is really, really important. And again, something that especially adults get really hung up on. The names for private parts aren't weird or funny. They're just part of your body. Everybody has them. And so we encourage and we know that it's important to use the words vagina, breasts, penis. Those words have meaning to us in a sexual way as adults because we know what they're used for in sexual ways as adults. But to kids, they're just like any other, any other body part on them. They're just like their ears or their eyes or their shoulders. It's just another part of their body. And by giving them nicknames, it teaches kids that there is a name for this, but it's a shameful thing. So we're giving it another name. So if something is ever wrong with that body part, they know this is a shameful body part and they may be discouraged to tell because of that, right? So um, the other reason that using, using those proper names for body parts is important is for disclosure reasons. Um, a lot of times if kids use nicknames for their private parts um, and they disclose using those nicknames, an adult might not understand what they're trying to say. 
for example, if a child says, um, somebody touched my pocketbook, and that's the the name that, that their family uses for vagina, right? Um, a teacher might think that's weird, and I don't know what you're saying, but if a child says, somebody touched my vagina, you can bet that teacher's going to do something about it and understand right away. So the next one then on our lovely list is no one should be asking you to keep a secret, especially if it's about their private parts. If somebody's asking them to keep a secret about their private parts, it's probably because they realize what they're doing is wrong. And if your kids then don't have an understanding of that thing being wrong, they are being told most likely by someone who is a trusted adult already that they need to keep this a secret. So they're going to listen to them. And if they don't know that those things are wrong or what's happening is wrong, they're probably not going to tell somebody. And then again, if they don't have the right terms to use for it, if they don't even understand that their private parts are their private parts and that they shouldn't be touched by other people, it's like they now don't know what they're experiencing is wrong or inappropriate. So they have no one to talk to or they're not going to. So in talking about secrets with children, one of the important distinctions is to talk about the difference between secrets and surprises. So keeping a secret means not telling anybody about it ever. And this is this is, shouldn't be allowed. It's even if it's something fun, right? So for example, um, a grandparent saying, um, you know, keep this a secret that they gave you three desserts while you were at grandma and grandpa's house. That's not allowed because it's still a secret and it's harmful. It keeps somebody out of the loop. However, a surprise is a little bit different. Keeping a surprise means that you stay quiet until the right time and then everybody gets to know. So this is an easy way to talk to kids about the difference, right? A secret is something nobody ever finds out about and a surprise is something that everybody finds out about at the right time. So a really great example of a surprise would be a surprise party, right? If a kid knows that they have to stay quiet about the plans for a surprise party, um, they know that in the end, the person will find out about the surprise party because everybody will be there, right? Um, and so making this distinction between secrets and surprises is really important. And this is something that even myself, I found um, kind of hard to adjust to because as adults, when we're playing with children, sometimes we'll say like, come here, I want to tell you a secret and then whisper in their ear like, I love you, you're the best, um, and I actually started to do this once with a friend of mine, her children. And, um, I said, you, you know, to her, her, her kid, I said, come here, I have, I have a secret. And she stopped me and she said, Allie, in this house, we don't, we don't have secrets. And I said, you're right. We don't have secrets. So I'll just tell you right now that I love you. Right. So, um, it's something that we have to condition ourselves to take out of our vocabulary with kids as well. I think it also helps them make a distinction then because like if they have that family member or trusted adult who says like now you have to keep this a secret they now know like oh secrets aren't shouldn't be kept so they can like talk to their parents or something like hey so and so told me to keep this a secret or they told me I had to keep a secret so now you've been tuned in to like oh something might have happened with my kid so you can help look into that a little bit more then I'm like, okay, I can't tell anybody because I know secrets aren't supposed to be told to anyone. That's a great point. Yeah, it definitely adds a layer of safety. 
So speaking of adding layers of safety, the next step that we want to talk about is helping your children to create their body safety circle. So essentially what this is, it's identifying at least five trusted adults that the child is comfortable talking to. Um, And it's important to have more than one adult because you never know if there's an instance where that adult they thought they trusted maybe had a secret for them. Or you don't know if maybe an adult just isn't paying attention or um, doesn't believe them or things like that. So it's important to have multiple people so there's those extra layers of safety for your children. Um, And it's also important to know that we should mention in this step is that just like other instances of violence among adults, violence against children also happens by people that they know. So just to reiterate, these things don't just happen in dark alleys by strangers. These things do happen um, from people that they know and thought that cared about them. Um, So helping your child to identify their safety circle can help them to have people that they know that they can talk to if somebody says that they have a secret for them um, or if they just don't feel safe or if their private parts are um, hurting them or something like that. So with body safety circles, I think that five is a really good number. It's a really easy number for kids. Five people, five adults that they think that they can trust, that they know that they can go to if something is wrong. Like Sierra said, if they're hurt, if they're sad, if they're scared, or if somebody broke one of their body safety rules. So teaching kids to have those five people. And those five people can be mom, dad, maybe a grandparent or a teacher, or a doctor could be in there, right? As long as they have a diverse um, range of people in that body safety circle, it kind of acts as a checks and balances in case something were to ever happen. And looking at the list of things like that we've discussed, especially going to that like point of doctors and everything, if they know like what their private parts are, if they have the correct terms for them, they're then able to communicate more effectively with their healthcare provider at that point because they know what words to be using while talking to them. But then also it helps them understand by having those five people who they can trust. If the doctor is one of them, they then understand like, okay, if I'm going to see a doctor, if I'm seeing my doctor, there might be times then where my doctor has to touch those areas just for medical purposes. But again, if that kid feels uncomfortable and stuff by it, they can express that and let them know that they can express that. So it's just giving them more tools for effective communication than with the other people in their lives. So that was our five body safety rules that every kid should know under the age of five. And so as we're transitioning out of this, something that I think we want to um, to talk about and emphasize is that these body safety rules are not only crucial to talk about with kids, but also the other adults in kids' lives, right? So for example, the example I used with, um, you know, I was talking to, to who I consider my niece um, and, you know, I said, I have a secret for you. I'm one of those people to her, right? And so I had had conversations with her mom about, hey, this is a house where we follow these five body safety rules and you're a safe person to my children and this is what that means, So that's something that's really important for adults to know, too, is that 
you're going to have to have conversations with grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles and babysitters and anybody that your children trust and love to make sure that they're on the same page and safe too. Especially because if they're in that body safety circle, that means that that adult should be somebody that believes your child, right? Somebody that is safe and does not react poorly if your child were to ever disclose something to them. So making sure that they understand these things. I'd also point out too that when kids grow up understanding like the correct terminology and having these discussions and stuff, it then makes it a lot easier for them as they're growing up for these discussions to be a little bit less awkward. It makes our jobs so much easier doing presentations with kids who don't get awkward when they hear the words vagina and penis. Because once they feel awkward by the discussion, it starts taking them out a little bit. So they aren't retaining as much information from what we are educating them on as they could be. Because now we're having to help overcome the anxiousness that comes along with it or the awkwardness or the giggles and laughs that come along with it because they're kids, it's going to happen. But when they have those correct terms, it gives us the ability to not have that time spent on helping them like deal with the awkwardness they're experiencing to then move forward. But also being those like trusted people, like I've had students who tell me, even though I'm only, I only see these kids like five times a semester who have told me things that they have experienced before and when they have the correct terms for everything that's going on or they're not, they don't feel awkward talking about it, it makes it a lot easier then for me to get them resources to be able to help them. Speaking of the word awkward and how these topics can be awkward, we just want to get the point across, just because you feel awkward talking to your kids and using the words penis or vagina or anything like that in front of them, don't put your kids, your kids at risk because you feel awkward. Kids don't sexualize these body parts. Adults do. So just like was mentioned, by teaching kids these terms at early age, it's going to be normal to them. They're going to know, this is my anatomy. This It has specific functions. This is what I need to know to keep me safe and things like that. Another thing about the awkward conversations is that, you know, while we're talking today about general respect and body safety, we do know that as kids get older and develop, that puberty happens. And these conversations will start to shift from general body safety to talking about sexual interactions and talking about safe sex and all of those topics that are really crucial when kids get to that developmental point. So, Sierra, do you want to? Um, explain a little bit what our next episode will look like? Yeah, so on our next episode, when we talk about um, basically the development of um, sexuality among a kid's or a person's lifetime, we're going to be showing basically how at different developmental stages, their anatomy is going to be starting to have different functions and they're going to start to increase their curiosity about sex and what their body can do and things like that. And that's totally normal. So in our next episode, what we're going to do is talk about at the different age groups, what behaviors are to be expected, what is completely normal. Um, A couple of things that might be red flags where you would notice that that's not normal sexual behavior. And that's where you might want to step in and have a conversation um, just to make sure that, you know, nothing has happened with with them being disrespected. And then along with that too, we're also going to give tips for caregivers on 
how to bring up these conversations once again and how to um, understand that these really are normal just again so we can combat that awkwardness so thank you all for listening to our episode feel free to follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at touchy subs pod to keep up to date with everything that we have going on and when new episodes come out if you have any questions comments or feedback please email them to touchy subjects podcast at gmail.com and in the meantime don't be afraid to challenge ask and discuss when it comes to touchy subjects